Starburst magazine is brought to you by Jaeger Water. This is Fat Radio International. Embrace the alternative. Somewhere in space, this may all be happening right now. An adventure unlike anything on your planet. The story of a boy, a boy, and a universe. A big sprawling space saga of rebellion and romance. It's a spectacle light years ahead of its time. An epic of heroes and villains and aliens from a thousand worlds. A billion years in the making. Starburst Radio, the greatest radio show in the universe. Every Wednesday, 8 p.m. until 10 p.m. Exclusive to Fab Radio International. Hello and welcome to Starburst Radio at Fab Radio International. And you've got me, Mike Royce, and you've also got Chris Hayes, and we're the editors of Starburst magazine. Yeah, we are. I didn't even let you say your name, then. It don't matter. It's I'm, fine. Yeah. Did, did I you, never make that mistake. Did you say it? Yeah, I did. Oh. I said, I said and he's here. I said in your name. There okay. You yeah, no, but usually it's like I'm um, that, and then I have space. I go, and they go, hello. Sorry, I was desperately no. trying to get my equipment together because that right. was a shorter intro than normal, wasn't it? Yes. One track rather Ooh. than the, yeah. what do you play usually? Three? No, no. Or just, one 15 one, minute one, suite? No, the, the suite, they're about six minutes, seven minutes. I'm all, all, all a fluster now. Just give me time to get all the mess together, you know, get, right. get everything sorted. You could have warned me. Oh well, we're we're here now. There's nothing. There's no. We're it's all fine. Secured. We're all ready. We're all. We've got. We've even got content. We're good. So have you? Here, here we are on. Yeah, well, yeah. This bit of content. I mean, this is bit going out live on there, and I say that because we do go out on a podcast as well. But if you're listening live, it's the fourth of December, Wednesday, the fourth of December, two thousand and nineteen, and we are doing our ne- next to last show live before christmas so just so you all know we're on air next week next week same same time same place wednesday eight o'clock fab radio international and then the following week is our christmas show that's not a live show but it's a it's a big show we're putting a lot of effort into that but so obviously we can't go out live because we've got a lot of different content that needs to go in so we're we're on our run up to Christmas officially. I don't mind talking about Christmas once it's past the first of December. Exactly, I'm with you on that. Yeah, it always used to be like this when I was a kid. 
then it started when I was getting in my 20s and stuff. I noticed that it had crept into November quite a lot. And then it it's crept and absorbed November now. And it started to uh, basically begin a week. It, it sort of crosses with uh, Halloween now. Halloween's there and you've got your beginning of all your Christmas stuff appearing in the shops. I really begin to notice it once firework night yeah. is over. Oh yeah, yeah. November fifth, November sixth. That yeah. that's it. Yeah. So I mean, the, the, you've got twelve months, and two months are now taken up with Christmas. So you've got ten months left. That's it. That's, I know. It's bizarre, and it's harder to avoid in Manchester as well because, like, half of it is the Christmas markets, isn't it? Yes, of course. S- it is. Straight away. Yeah, which again, beginning in November to, to, to go with with that. It's the same thing. It started out. It's just in Albert Square. And then suddenly the, it appears in uh, St. Anne's Square, which is another square, not quite as big, but big enough. And then it started to take over Market Street. So this special Christmas fair that was a German market, it was called at the beginning, suddenly it's, it, it, it's not a German market, it's a Christmas market, i.e. everybody's there. And it's all over Manchester. And yeah, it's like it's, a plague. Yeah, instead of paying... Uh, Three quid for a hot dog. You're paying seven quid, you know, for a. Has it crept up to mold. seven now? Where you, you get a mulled wine with it. it oh, okay. But not everyone drinks mulled wine, so no. I'm sure you can get it for a five. I don't touch alcohol, dear. me. It's still dear. Yeah, of course. Teetotal. No, it's the best way. Mm. It's cheaper and it leads to a happier life. Anyone who wants to join in tonight, studio at fabradiointernational.com. What have you been up to? How are you? What are you planning to do this Christmas? Anything good? And what did you think of this stuff that's been coming out during the last week? The uh, we got a Bond trailer, we got a Black Widow trailer, Doctor Who trailer. We can talk about all that. And uh, Paul Mount is our first email, and he's saying what are our thoughts on them. So we are going to cover those trailers. And he recommends an eight-part German pre-apocalypse series eight days on sky atlantic uh, he's not the only person to recommend this to me i've heard a lot of buzz yeah it sounds really good doesn't it i was just from the other room so i'm just shutting oh, the door there there you go so i like the pre-apocalypse aspect i like that go on explain spoiler does that mean you know explain down it's focusing on the countdown not the actual pizzazz it's like like for example i think what is the um oh god what is it deep impact yeah that's what i would call a pre-apocalypse movie even though you do get an impact from one of the asteroids the (laughs) second one that's the like the extinction level event yeah there's no story Um, after that though of course it's a narrative that explores the before but it the there's no after i know i know no i know but you sometimes get a film and it focuses mostly on this the impact and then the survival trying to survive afterwards you know like you know well post-apocalyptics the road isn't it yeah yeah well pre-apocalypse is it's focusing on the build-up towards that sure i know it's it's a movie it's a it's a bit of a Look, I, th- I think Deep Impact is a wildly underrated movie. I fe- well, two came out at the same time. Yes, Deep it, Impact and Armageddon. Yeah, and they both head came to head, out and Armageddon won out, and a lot of people were re- really love that film. I know a lot of people who do, but I think 
Deep Impact was more thoughtful and the acting was better. The characters were more in-depth. They're chalk and cheese. Yeah. It's very, very different. And this is before Friedman started hanging around with his granddaughter. Who? Morgan Freeman. Oh, God, sorry, I thought you said Martin Freeman. No. No. He was a nobody when that was out. Yeah, yeah. He was a young whippersnapper. The, the office had not... Uh, he hadn't got anywhere at we that We didn't point. know who Ricky Gervais was. No, I bet. No. Yes, Morgan Freeman, you mean. Morgan Freeman? Yes, he, he has. Martin. He does have a very special relationship with his granddaughter, doesn't he? He certainly As we've does. discussed on the show, and uh, maybe we shouldn't mention again. So definitely don't Google that. Well, you shouldn't. You shouldn't Google that. No, definitely not. No, no. No, I, I agree with you on that one. It's it's a funny one though, isn't it? Because he, as the president, he was the president you wanted, wasn't he? Yeah. You, you hadn't had a black president by then. How many times has he played the president? I think it's twice, but I can't remember what the other one was. In one of those uh, Jared Butler efforts. I can't remember. Who I really cares anyway? It's, I can't it's, remember. It's, it's a dumb question. Um, Plus falling or whatever it was. Yeah, one of the one of those. Yeah. Oh so, God! So this eight days then that Mount is going on about. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Have you seen it? I've not seen it yet. Right, but I I'm aware of it and I want to see it. I mean, it it does seem what what I've seen of it. It does seem like it's more about what people do when they know the world is coming to an end, and and it just focuses on that. I, I, this is the only impression I've not seen it. I'm just saying that the impression I get is that it's based on, like, all the interactions. What would you do? How would you cope? And all that, rather than a bunch of scientists trying to save the world, no, shooting missiles at whatever. It, it's a, it's to, a great idea, you know. You know who, what loved ones do you do you need to go and see before? Yeah. What what kind of things do you uh, have to reconcile in your own life, knowing that you're going to pass away? There's a lot of lofty ideas that can be explored there. Seeking a friend for the end of the world. Brilliant film. Another Although very underrated movie. A comedy, but it's actually more straight, I think. I think it's quite affecting that. Yeah, this, you'd think it was an out-and-out comedy because it's Steve Carell. Yeah. Um, Steve Carell and Keira Knightley, yeah, was it? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, mm. absolutely brilliant. And And... In case anybody's wondering, no, it, it doesn't shit back shuffle at the end. Oh, God, there you go again with your spoilers, man. Oh, come no, on. No, you a need to, to watch it. We're going to get complaints. You don't know what that means. It may mean that, that it. Um... The clue's in the title, mate. <laughs> yeah, I get, I get that. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, but you're expecting some Hollywood ending because he's in it and it's all it's gonna be it was know, quite a low budget a movie though wasn't it yeah yeah oh god low budget no budget i mean there there was this is what's beautiful about that film they there's no special effects there's nothing and yet you can't stop watching it talking of pre-apocalypse you've also got terry moore's follow-up to Strangers in Paradise yeah, and Echo and Rachel Rising. Yeah, this whole universe has been brought together recently mm. to um, to do f- it, what, what's it called? Five days yeah. or five weeks? I think it's five weeks. We'll have to check in the breaks. I've One of those. Read, I've read two of them, but it's it, it's it's very similar, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, they find one of the characters finds out that the world is going to end mm. uh, very shortly, and they uh, they a, a bunch of his characters from all these mm. different disparate books and titles come together to try and to prevent it. 
Well, bits of it. It's weird because normally in situations like this, you think, oh, right, when's, when did he cobble this together? When did he add this into the mix? And if you actually read Echo, yeah, and then you... Which read, is a good, what what would you say, 15 years old, maybe? Yeah, and then you see the beginning of The Strangers in Paradise XX5 2025, 20, the anniversary one. And there's bits in all of the, the stuff. I think the only one that they, they... In fact, I think there's some stuff in Motorgo, but I've not finished reading that. I actually bought that on your it's recommendation. Fabulous. And the, um, that's the only one of his I hadn't read. And I believe that there's even stuff in Rachel Rising about it. So he did. He was planning this for a long time. Whether or not he thought he'd get to do this I don't know, but he did do. I, I just love the Terry Moore world, the Strangers in Paradise universe. It's um, it's wonderful, really is. I mean, I, you keep hearing they're doing the Strangers in Paradise TV show. Never, never hear anything about it, do you? No, no it, it keeps falling through. Yeah, yeah. He, he sold it off. He sold the rights to it a long mm-hmm. time ago, and um, you know, it took that long, mm. and nothing materialised from it. The rights actually lapsed. So yeah. right now. They are back with him. Well, the shocking thing to me is that all this crap gets made. There's a lot of rubbish that gets made. And it's just bizarre to me that there's not somebody famous, somebody with some influence, maybe an actor, a director, or somebody that's on the rise, that's doing all right, that this was a comic book that they were into. Because if this was me and I'd been rising over the years and now suddenly I'm in my job at whatever, I'd be in a position where I could greenlight a few things, I'd be I'd be wanting to pitch this. I'd Straight away I'd go, this, this is a rich source material. No, so even I, I if you don't do agree. the other shows and you do the other comic books and you just focus on Strangers in Paradise, it's, oh, it's imperative. Rich, yeah. It's a rich tapestry of characters, really well rounded, well researched. It's a treasure trove. I mean, you know, and we it need to get to it. Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg on the blower. Yeah, because those guys just um, they successfully brought Preacher yeah. to the world yeah, after. At, you know, 10 years in development hell. Yeah. Maybe even more. Oh, yeah. Uh, and just this year, they um, they delivered the boys. Yeah, of course. Another Garth Ennis property. And I uh, love and, that. Uh, um, well, I was, I was going to... It's, it's in contention for our TV show of the year, but you'll have to read the next issue of the magazine to find out where it placed. Indeed. Yeah. You will. See, we're, we're working at the moment on on the issue where it's the it's the annual. It's, if there is such a thing as a Starburst annual, it's this. I mean, it, it's the issue where we do the preview. We we do everybody votes. We come up with the the top twenty movies, top five TV shows. No, it's top forty TV top shows. Top forty. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Top forty. And we've got a top twenty oh, TV yeah, because shows. Because I'm I'm getting confused because just vote for you. Exactly. Everyone's sub, every every yeah. single writer, every single artist, everyone involved in Starburst. Yeah, I keep uh, that in that. Yeah, votes for their ten best movies and five best TV shows. And uh, wow, it's been quite staggering. I think it's been a pretty, pretty bad year for movies, but it's been a stellar year for TV. I'm just writing about movies in It's Only a Movie for the same issue. And yeah, I'm addressing the fact that this has been a shockingly bad year. 
I mean, I'm not saying there's not been good stuff. I'm not saying there's not been good movies to watch. I'm just saying that the general standard has been not as good. I mean, when when we when we took over this mag, mm. and when we yeah we started uh, doing our first issues, I remember. 2012, 2013, they were big years then. I mean, there's been a few big years in a time we've been doing this, Mac, and this is the worst one. The way that we've cons- we consume our entertainment has changed it certainly vastly. Yeah. And I don't know how that's affecting things. I mean... I think you do. Well, I, I don't know if it's positive or negative. It, it absolutely depends where you... Where, where, where you what you feel about the cinema going experience these days because they've, they've they've killed it people oh. do not want to go to the cinema anymore unless it's to see a massive event picture mm. people are go. quite happy with the the equipment that they've got at home well, especially because still doing okay then it, i tell that to um terminated dark fate doctor sleep yeah i don't mean those individual movies i mean uh, the cinema's still busy when I go, you know. Not when you saw those movies, they weren't. And so that means not if that, that is... Not yeah, in those, but the but cinema just, themselves... But just think about it, right? So Terminator mm. Dark Fate comes out that weekend. Mm. That cinema had a horrible weekend. Right, yeah. Yeah. It's, they're not doing well. Right. They're suffering. Because they make so little on these well, films anyway, they, it's all about footfall. It's all about how much popcorn they can shift. Yeah, I know. But a bit, I mean, the, you've got to have a buzz for these things, though. And there, there's no there's no buzz. Um, yeah, do you know what? If they had have released The Irishman at the cinema, people would have gone out to see that. They did release it at the cinema, but not wide. You know what I mean. It, I mean, it, it wasn't promoted in that way. This is certain, If it was only on at the cinema people would have gone and seen it because it, it's of a good standard and the reviews were bloody amazing to be honest i mean that that's one that's lived up to stuff this year i think but so many of these other movies have not i mean we've done the our the movies that are being voted on that we're covering in the magazine some of them are really good but i'd say the standard is just not there this year i don't know there's not there's not enough unexpected left left field stuff and the franchises my god you talk about franchise fatigue jesus christ people say it's not a thing but there is no explanation for some of this and and it's amazing how you can do that these we've had some of the biggest properties come back this year and men in black international i don't know if you've seen it no god i can't explain to you what's wrong with it Right. I can't explain it to you. Because those two are phenomenal. I can't, yeah, I can't explain what's wrong with that film. The best way of putting it is you go in and you think, well, she's great in that role. Tessa Thompson. He's fine. He's doing well. There's certainly, they're no lesser impressive than them. Emma Thompson plays the the role of the the boss perfectly. There's nothing wrong with it. The the jokes are there. The special effects are there. The story's not absolutely terrible at all. It's certainly no worse than, say, the second or third one. And it's just... You you don't... There's nothing... It's don't grab you at all. You've hit the nail on the head there without even realising it. Yeah. What you just said is the story for this is no it's no worse than Men in Black 1 and 2. Now, how many years ago was that? 
Yeah. You know, they, you can't. Yeah. people are not going to turn up for weak source anymore because yeah. you've got the quality right there being uh, streamed right into your homes yeah. on beautiful big screens mm. without the need to spend £20 on your, your basic concessions. Mm. I'm not talking hot dogs. I'm talking, you know, your standard popcorn and a drink. Yeah. Is going to set you, you know, if there's two of you, it's going to set you back about twenty pounds. It's obscene. Yeah, but I mean, people talking. Yeah, not enough staff members on to tell those people not to talk. The, going to the cinema is just—it's rubbish, and it's yeah, gotten—it's yeah. gotten worse. Well, a lot of the cinemas they—they they have the middle seats, which are the good ones, and you pay that extra bit for them. Pathetic. And you pay them so that you know that you're definitely guaranteed that seat and you turn up and then there's a row of four knobheads who clearly know damn well that they've not paid for them seats. They're sat there. So then you've got to go, excuse me, there's your seat. And then they look at you as if you're a dick. Do you want to for, get for stabbed? Them. Yeah. I mean, do you, I mean, that's what's and, going through everyone's that's, heads. Um, that's it, isn't it? You just don't know in this day and age, do you? Well, you don't. I, I, I don't mind, but I definitely know that there are some people that I friends with that would find it they, they'd probably just go and sit somewhere else no but that's that, that's what i'm saying seat, yeah. yeah i'd ask for the, them to move because if i've yeah. damn well picked out a seat Absolutely. i'm having that well, seat that's the point isn't it? if anyone is in my seat on rise of skywalker night yeah well they're not going to be they're going to be moved yeah you know what i mean it took me a long time to pick out that seat i'm trying to think what um i we we, uh, we moved someone out of our seats at the light I'm trying to remember what film it was for now. It was an, an opening night, yeah. And then uh, and they were all, oh, I don't know about this and all, all the rest of it, yeah. And then, um, yeah, we were in the wrong cinema. <laughs> it was next door. I know, got them moved. Horrible. <laughs> I got them moved. Oh, God. <laughs> I bet that memory stings, doesn't it's it? horrible, yeah. It oh, is. Dear. That's why now I'm dead paranoid now. I will make absolutely certain before I open my mouth now. Let's talk cinema faux pas. Email in if you've got any horror stories no. equal yes, to Mike's there. Uh, one last thing about pre-apocalypse. I don't know how it's going to work. It's very similar. In The Purge Season 2, which is just beginning, it's not set during Purge Night. It's set in the year... In between Purge Night, right? Yeah, I know you're furrowing your brow like I did when I when I read this premise. Um, so they're already running out of ideas, and they you're on season two. Yeah, you're already out of ideas. You've got to shake it. How is that going to work? It's not, is it? It's bizarre. It's not. Okay, so here's here's my pitch. All right, I've got a great idea for the Purge. Oh, go on then. Yeah, right. It's the Purge, but get this yeah without the purge yeah, without the oh purge. it's gonna be a whole year of build-up wow the following season okay. so when season three comes out you'll be really desperate for there to be a purge so season three is gonna do really well that's basically what that means shocking i mean that's it anyway we'll have a quick break anybody email in if you've got any Anything to talk about tonight, it's studio at fabradiointernational.com and we'll be back with some some news for you. Starburst Radio, brought to you by the editors of the world's longest-running magazine of sci-fi, horror and fantasy. Every Wednesday, 8pm till 10pm. Exclusive to Fab Radio International. Everyone else refused to put it on the air. The 
wiped into a nightmare of evil with. Guess what happened to Count Dracula? He's back from the grave to rule the satanic occult-ridden world of today's mind-blown youth. <laughs> Say it with someone you trust. Guess what happened to Count Dracula will trip you into a blood-smeared torture chamber and you'll never get out. My prisoners for eternity to do with as I wish. Don't see it alone. See it with someone you trust. <laughs> You'll plunge into a nightmare of evil, thrills, chills, horror, terror, shock, panic, and violence, climaxing in an orgy of blood and death. <laughs> see it with someone you trust. Guess what happened to Count Dracula is a supreme example of a top-notch motion picture thriller filmed in magnificent blood-dripping color. A shocker with unparalleled violence erupting from the screen to horrify and paralyze you. Guess what happened to Count Dracula will blow your mind. This is the picture that nightmares are made of. If you dare see it, see it with someone you trust. Don't miss it. Coming soon. Guess what happened to Count Dracula. Rated GP. All ages admitted. Parental guidance. Starburst Radio, listened to by dickheads all over the universe. Embrace the alternative with Fab Radio. And welcome back to Starburst Radio at Fab Radio International. And we're getting back onto Mr. Paul Mount's email from before where we he asked about the Bond trailer, Black Widow trailer, Doctor Who trailers. We've got some other emails as well, but we'll just go through these. Well, do them in order, I guess. Bond trailer. It's well, good, wasn't it? Yeah, if you if you like that kind of thing. What what do you mean that kind of thing? It's again it's it's shit. Joyless. <laughs> joyless. Joyless. Drivel. It's joyless again. Um that's been famously in in development hell. Like Spectre was in development hell, and I told you on this show years and years ago there was going to be this twist with it's going to be his evil brother, blah, blah, blah. It was all true. All the problems they had making it, and this one. There's even more problems with this movie. I tell you now that if this is any good, then it is going to be more by accident than it actually being fought out, because there have been problems from day one. They've had two scripts for starters you had a director you had Danny Boyle he had a, a script done specially for him then they uh, they got the usual hacks back who gave you the terrible script for Spectre they, they're back to give you more of the same Ooh. and it's again it's again all the deep moody lighting and the atmospheric long drawn out looks everybody looking po-faced everybody being overly serious i get it you know this is this is the new bond how they want it um is it really what we want i've no idea we you'll we'll have to see how it goes but there is the big one i waited i didn't want to say anything about this about i found out about 4 weeks ago where they announced the 007 is going to be a woman a big shocker now that was announced and immediately this toxic fandom and this 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 misogynistic bunch of arseholes went into overdrive and you know they they were just completely outraged James Bond's not a woman James Bond's being a black woman is it? and I said on this show I said to you I said I'll tell you exactly what's going to happen with this it is going to start and, and there was a leak of the opening line they actually put it one person went on record and put it in a quote in an interview he said there's an iconic moment at the beginning of the film where M goes come in 007 and then in comes this tall striking black woman who's now 007. Sure. Yeah, she's not James Bond. No. That is his t- uh, job title. Yeah. So what happened is, at the end of Spectre, he 
went off with somebody who has said I got shit for saying this on the show last time, so I'll be even more clear. A woman that, he, when he got married in the old mythology, in the old books, before the Daniel Craig reboot, yeah, he all, he got married once and she got murdered, and then that made him even darker, even deeper, and it was a big pivotal moment in it all. And you understood totally why, after bedding woman after woman after woman in all these movies, finally he married somebody. And it was a really well-thought-out story. It's a girl who was mentally at a breaking point. She tried to commit suicide. He saved her life, and then he felt responsible for her. And then after a while, he just fell for her. And she then turned up at the end and helped save his life and do all that. So they got married. And then straight away, before the film even ended, she got murdered. And that was it. And you totally understood why he married her, whatever. This this woman was so poorly written, so poorly written. I mean, someone took, as, as if he'd settled down with someone like that, they were taking issue with, because I'd said that on the show. What I said was, as if he'd settled down with somebody that you've got no idea what he sees in it because the character wasn't written in any way. Exactly, no yeah. Scenes, it's No scenes where you... Just to clarify, you're not yeah. talking about Leah Sado, are you? No, you're not I'm talking about no, Leah Sado. No. You're talking about the character. Yes. It was underdeveloped. Yeah. Uh, it's not on screen. No. It's like the relationship between... Yeah. Uh, Padme and Anakin in yes, Attack of the Clones. Exactly. You're, you're told that these two people yeah. uh, love each other or yeah. falling for each other. Yeah. But it's not there on screen. You, you can't see what they see in each other. No, no. And, and, the, and this here is, is the same thing. They, there is one scene in a carriage on a train where he goes, oh, you look good in that dress. That is literally the only sort of chemistry there is you get that he's sexually attracted to her because she looks good in a white dress and that's all you get I mean you want more than that now I'll give you another example with Daniel Craig yeah uh, Vespa Lind in Casino Royale you had if he'd have married her mm-hmm. and he was about to go off with her wasn't he you had no doubt why she was well written yeah well rounded brilliantly acted and totally is equal Yes. Yeah. And that was it. And that's what I'm, you don't get. So anyway, he's still with her at the beginning of this film. And she so, looks like Eva Green. Oh, and she looks like Eva Green as well. There's that. But <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with Leah Sado. No, she's a very attractive not, woman, but, obviously. But, but there is nothing. She can't make her character more attractive and more appealing, but more interesting. No. But because she's not writing it. But the, she's only doing her best with what she's given. But... Anyway, cut a long story short, This, um, I said that what's going to happen here is he's settled down with her at the beginning of this, he's in retirement, and then this woman has got um, the moniker of 007, and then they... Uh, basically, she's investigating this terrorist who's played by Rami Malek from... What's it? Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody and Mr. Robot. Yeah, Mr. Robot. And, and he seems a good choice. And then, then obviously, Bond gets asked to come out of retirement to help his mate Felix Leiter this summer, and then, obviously, end up investigating the same thing and working together. And then he probably tries it on, don't get anywhere. She thinks he's a dinosaur. He thinks she's uh, a man-hater. And then somewhere along the way, he thinks, no, actually, she's really good at her job. I've a load of respect for her. And she probably thinks... According to the script, I think in real life she'd probably still think he was a dinosaur, but 
it she'll go uh, to the point of oh, you're not all that bad are you Bond you know deep down you do care you are a nice person you know and then she'll get killed and he'll get his double O back and then he'll at the end say something profound like oh, I'll always think that this number belongs partly to her now and then off we go that was all that was going to happen all you were going to happen it was it was just going to shake it up it was going to be an interesting story it wasn't going to end at the end with him going right well I'm gone now and now and then the next movie was not going to be mm-hmm. whatever her character was as <laughs> that wasn't ever going to happen but these people are so stupid that they filled YouTube with bile and hatred over this they filled the internet with it they you Feel everywhere you went on Facebook, people were moaning and whinging and whining. Not my Bond. No, it's not. It was never going to be. She was never going to be James Bond, and she was. That film was never going to end with her still playing 007. And the following Bond movie, whether he's in it or not, which he won't be, there'll be a new James Bond cast, a guy, and that's it. End of story. It's just going to continue the story as if there's somebody else playing the same character. End of. So what do you get? The studio are having loads of problems with a load of reshoots. They're, they're rewriting bits here and there. Loads of leaks going on because people are pissed off with the way that Daniel Craig's carried on on set. He's had an injury. He's not getting on with um, Carrie, the director. They're fucking arguing all fucking time, yeah. I, I, I have trouble saying that. I just That's all right. say it wrong. No, don't want to say it wrong. He won't be offended. F- fucking out. Like Leah Sado. I'm probably getting that wrong. No, Leah Sado, that's correct. That. I'm not sure. No, that's correct. That's correct. But the what what's happening there is is it's it, they they've even got um, a leak that that Christoph Waltz was in it, and then that gets confirmed in this trailer today. But what were they had a, a screening as well of it, and then afterwards you had the reshoots, you had more problems, and it's like you have a reshoot and then you ditch stuff and then re jig it and redo it. It's like building a bloody jigsaw puzzle, not making a movie. This this is modular filmmaking. It's getting appalling. People are so paranoid at having a box office disaster on their hands that they're having film screenings and they're, they're, if there's bits that people don't like instead of just going, no, this is a narrative hole. It's true to the vision we want. Let's put it out. They go, oh, let's alter that bit then. Let's alter that bit then. It's like computer designing a movie. Mm. Like, oh, that bit don't play well. We'll do something else. It don't matter how it fits together. Well, narratively, you know when that's been going on because the movie jars. And you I mean, you know. We've always had test screenings. Uh, are you saying. One, maybe. It, well, two, you, you know, know. But there are multiple. Are now. you saying it's gotten worse? It's got much worse. They're having four, five, six screenings and they are reshooting movies now, left, right and centre, uh, all the way up to a month before the release. Yeah, it's well, that is common. Crazy. I mean, you've you've got every single Marvel movie yeah. books in a uh, a month of reshoots. Yeah, yeah. I've heard Kevin Feige say that. It's, yeah, they, they, they just they just pre- changes. They, they, pre- they preempt. They better than they've yeah, already sure. intended, whereas these are... I'm talking about someone doesn't like a character and they'll reshoot part of a movie just to eliminate a character from the entire movie if they can. And that that's where it starts to show, all the joins start to show. And then you, you could see the joins in Rogue One. You could. 
and and you get stuff like that. There were lots of movies like this, but this one, it, it doesn't look great what they've been doing with it. And I've got to say that the what the one thing that's come out of this was four weeks ago. I heard they they there was a source who's working there who said, "Yeah, they've bottled it." And I I thought right I I hope that's not true but they and yeah they bottled it they basically now even though it's what I said and it was exactly what I've said it she was going to be 007 you would have that iconic moment and then she walks in instead and all the rest of it no they, she's not 007 now they've reshot all the bits where she's described as 007 or says she's 007 she is now a double O agent I don't know which number but she's just a double O yeah. agent and then I, I wanted to not believe that but then the trailer dropped today and, and I'm, it's pretty conclusive. Yeah, it's very She's non-committal. No, is he says, what, you're a double O? Unless, unless she is 007 and, and then saving she it reveals us. it. I don't know. But it doesn't make sense when you've made the big reveal in all the tabloids. And they, they released the pictures That's of the actress, right. remember? So they were in control of that leak. It hey, she she seems pretty good, and I did enjoy yeah. the uh, line about the uh, you know the one good knee. Yeah, that was well delivered. Yeah. very funny. Yeah, they looked like there was hints of nice uh, quality action in there. You know, not the I like the stunts. Didn't suffer for it. Didn't seem to suffer from the uh, the quantum mm. of solace, uh, shaky cam, uh, born aping effect. You know, Sorry. that's gone. Thank God that's Jesus gone. Christ. It just doesn't it doesn't work that unless you're Paul Greengrass. Yeah. Uh, it's the worst one. So yeah, the 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 bit with the mo- motorcycle up the up, brilliant up that's the uh, up the steps and that's across the bridge. Yeah, very confident. That's big wide like. shot. Yeah, big physical set mm. pieces. Yeah, 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 CGI. That's James Bond. It looks like you got plenty of that, but all the moody lighting and the stuff and the I don't know. I mean, I'm glad that preemptively. You found out what this movie was about because if that dropped today and you <laughs> you didn't know that he'd given up, yeah, again, yeah, and the the start of this movie was him not being James Bond again. I'm glad you brought that up. You would have been, I I think you'd be in the hospital right now. You'd have you'd have it's <laughs> it's, it's insane. This. You'd have had an embolism. It's insane. It's insane. And, and they've got him with a dodgy knee now, like they had with Bruce Wayne and his, his knees yeah. and legs when and he needed the braces and all that. Yeah. It's, it's just you got a Swiss cheese bloody set of adventures where all the stuff that you want, you want to see his, yeah, his yeah, James Bond doing all these big adventures and all these big adventures happen in between these films. Great. We've not seen him at his best. All we've seen is him start, get the job, Get his girlfriend killed. Get revenge in the next one. Then, then he's he's literally away. He's burnt out. Can't shoot straight. Can't do anything. Then comes back. Then, then he's retired again. Then he comes back again. Now he's retired again. And now he's coming back. It's just hell. At hell. least you've got the comic books to oh, fill in those shit. those adventures. Oh yeah. There's a new James Bond ongoing, isn't there? It's, it's ongoing it's, series. It's, it's, As it started, it's his origin that. Right. Okay. Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's not remotely connected to this. Oh right. It's a di- dynamite. Just doing a version of the literary James Bond. Comic. Right. Okay. 
which is very good. They're all very good. They do. They've done the modern stories, and now they're doing like an, uh, the the origin, and it's quite good. But yeah, so that them are sort of my thoughts on Bond. I may be wrong. Maybe she still is 007, But if she's not, just be aware what's happened. And and if you are going to make a film with such a lack of confidence about your own abilities, I don't know where that leads any of us. Yeah. So that's one spy out of the way. You know. What about Black Widow? That is a horse of a different colour. Yeah, absolutely. So her debut uh, solo movie, the trailer dropped for that Mm. this week also. Uh, It's out next May. Yeah. It seems so close, doesn't it? It does. Just, we're so spoiled when it comes to the MCU. That's incredible, that. That that trailer was, again, action, adventure, not po-faced, Full of comedy, light stuff, serious stuff, yeah. interesting stuff, um, expanding on what we already know. And weirdly enough, you'd think that there wouldn't be uh, as much desire to see it because we know that she's dead. Absolutely. And yet, I do want to see it really badly. I cannot wait. I know. This is what it, this is what I'm getting at. Prequels yeah. are always going to suffer from this. Um, we do know that there's uh, there's there's little to no stakes in. There's no jeopardy. She's not going to die or be injured or anything like that in this movie. Well, she might be injured, but she's not going to lose a hand. Could you imagine if she did die at the end of this film? That'd be interesting, wouldn't You've it? just blown my mind. Yeah. Holy moly. Just saying. Yeah. And then they leave it there, and then you've got to wait to see That is genius. Happens. Because that would be bloody interesting. You'd, people would be tripping over themselves yeah. to get home yeah. and bust open those Blu-rays, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. And, and just pour over every frame. Yeah. God, that's good, Mike. That's what I mean. Yeah. That's what you, you should do. That's what they should have done. So this is set... Um, um, am I right in thinking... After Civil War. So there's a two-year gap between Civil War and what was... When was the next time we saw her? Was it Infinity War? Yeah. I yeah? Think, I think she's been on the... This is her on the run, I would imagine. Okay, well, because of the... Because um, she... she the Accords. Didn't she? Yeah. Sokovian Accords? Yeah. What were they called? Yeah, Sokovian Accords. It was Sokovia where it, in Age of Ultron. Right, okay. Destroyed, um, pretty much. So, two years, she goes back home to uh, Russia. Yeah. And uh, seeks out some fellow Black Widows. Yeah. One of them played by uh, Florence Pugh. But that's her, it's her sister, which is, is great. Isn't that her sister in the in the sense that they would just grew up together through that same Black Widow program. I'm not sure. I'm not 100%. I'd looked up her surname today because right. I was I was doing a little bit of editing on a on a mm. on a Black Widow so this entry. This is different from the comics this. And they do have different surnames. Yeah. So I th- I think it's just a sister in that in yeah. that spiritual sense. That, that character the um can't remember what he's called either the Red Guardian or whatever. He he is, is that the one played by David Harbour? Don't rem- yeah, I don't remember him being related to her in the comics, so right. I don't know what they're doing with him. Who knows, who knows? But, like, it's, you know, maybe it's not a nuclear family, but it is very much family, yeah. and it's about family. Yeah. Uh, but it's also about kicking ass and incredible stunts. Yeah, incredible stunts. Again, looking like there's a lot of physical stunts here, not CGI. The what? fight between Look. Johansson and Pugh. Taking the guns off each other. That was great. Oh, my goodness. That was brilliant. I didn't even see it happen. Nah. It was so good, so slick. And the 
I love the logo even of it. I yeah. love the look of the film, the, the whole style of it. That's what I mean. The, that, you know, things, spy dramas, they can be, they can be like this. They can be like the Winter Soldier. Yeah? Yeah. They don't, and yet Bond is going for this po-faced aesthetic that, that doesn't embrace the, the fantasy elements. The, the spy-fi. Yeah, spy-fi is what I want. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe spy-fi. one day. That's all. You, that's what you want. You don't. Well, you, yeah, of course, you don't want it to be like Matt Helm, but you, you know, you, Kingsman and this. Yes, this there is, we go. This is what you're talking about, you know, and it it lends itself to it. I just don't understand why people want to be so so fucking bored and and pedestrian with it, you know, and so grounded. That's the word, isn't it? A grounded. You know, grounded James Bond. Grounded and gritty. Yeah. When you know you only have to look at the uh, the, the movies that are outperforming everything yeah. else on the planet, yeah. and it's the MCU. Yeah. Yeah. They're perfectly balanced. All out there. Uh, it doesn't need to be grounded and gritty no. to engage people, it does it? It can be silly. It, it can be heartbreaking. It can be action packed. It can be everything. Well, what, and what's... then, of course, you've got yeah. Star Wars as well. You know. Yeah. What's your What's your average person got? going to have in common with that world anyway I mean this is the world of James Bond the world of James Bond doesn't have to be realistic and believable because you don't live in that world you've got, you're not going to go that's the wrong way to hold that gun. that's the wrong way to do that abseiling down the side of that dam and, and setting the explosives oh no you've got no frame of reference so you don't, you don't have to be realistic you know I agree you know and the next one we're on to is a Doctor Who trailer. Yeah, well, here's another another one um, at the moment. Oh, toxicity level off the scale. I don't know which is worse at the moment, This the toxic Doctor Who fan base or the Star Wars fan base. They're both, they're both uh, I wouldn't like, I think the two of them, if they touched, I think it, it could destroy the world. Yeah. The antimatter meets matter. They, they, they're so toxic. They're so de- negative. Thank God for the Mandalorian, though, because yeah, no, that is bridging the gap between the, the haters and the lovers. Bridge. Yeah. They, yeah. They, they, yeah, they still, they still got their agenda, though. They, 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 they are in the camp of, oh, Filoni and him, that's the real Star Wars. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. That's how they're doing it now. Uh, Doctor Who is quite, you know, you've got people who are all right with it and you've got people who absolutely hate it now. And I can't understand that because it certainly was more watchable last year than it was under Moffat, in my opinion. It, it was more that some of the stories were fun, some of them were good. I didn't like all of them. The one element that I am going to side with the, the haters on is I really don't like being patronised when I'm watching a TV show and some of these scenes where Jodie Whittaker is um, telling us about the civil rights movement and all the rest of the crap and it almost feels like if you uh, weren't paying attention she'd come and give you a clip round the ears now yeah. isn't that I'm just playing devil's advocate here isn't that just a throwback to what Doctor Who was initially no no never was it didn't because it didn't preach you see right it, it's not done in the way of this is what happened then and then the companion would say Doctor is that right they're just burying him they, people couldn't afford graves at this time in the era the plague was spreading blah 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 they just explain it whereas this there was another 
vibe to it, almost as if, well, there's a lot of things going on there, you know. But even today in our world, the, these people are basically dragging politics into it, left, right and centre, you know. There's people who are left-wing and right-wing watching Doctor Who. You really need to just ditch that because it's OK to have a Donald Trump look-alike playing a bit of a dickhead because he's more of a contentious figure. But, you know, it it just came across as... He, and by my standard, it came across as quite left-wing. My God, uh, I don't know what it's like for somebody else. Now, that aside, it was, a ve- it was paired back... It didn't have all this navel gaze and it wasn't obsessed with its own continuity. Someone could watch the odd episode of Doctor Who last year and sit and enjoy it and watch it, which you couldn't do with Moffat. You had to know the 37 years of this monster that's on that week. or the You had to know every in-depth thing about Who going back. It, and and do, the Doctor every week became nearly the main character in it, whereas when Doctor Who was at its best, it's the turn-up, and then she stumbles, he, he or she stumbles into a situation and then um, ends up saving the day almost as a byproduct. It's an accident, accidental hero. That's how it played out. And then with under Moffat, it became that he was almost like this Superman travel in the universe and that's not as interesting to me because he's not struggling he I never felt he was struggling whereas yeah this there was a few touch and go moments downside I don't think she's very good in that role I'm sorry I'm, I'm I don't I just I don't think I think there were other actresses that could have played the part better and I think the original choice of Olivia Coleman was was far superior in my opinion but hey it's just that I'm not a big fan of Patrick Troughton as the Doctor and people love him whereas I I love um, Tom Baker I like Tennant um, I'm quite I'm more of that I don't think Mounty likes Sylvester McCoy that much I'm more forgiving of him everybody's got their own take on it of course some people like pineapple on their pizza but I don't think it mattered It, it didn't it's not wrong, made any but... difference that it's a female in the role. Yeah, sure. It's not ruined it. It's not enhanced it. It's not made it better. It's not changed it to me. I don't think that was a, an issue to get upset with, but you know for a fact, trust me on this, that is what's driving a lot of this. Oh, I know. It I know. It, it, we- it wears me out. And I know it wears Mounty out as well. It's I did pointless. see him tweeting about toxic fa- um, fans the other day. and the, the, the... It, it, is, yeah, I know. Do you remember the we got quoted when we were commenting on the, who not coming back last year and we got that quote off the BBC? And then what happened was uh, we got that quote and then we ran the story and then there was a YouTuber who... Uh, it, it actually got a lot of traction. We got a lot of uh, focus because of that. People were, were referring to it in lots of interviews. And I think I sent you a link to that. There was this YouTuber who was um, quoting us, and we were like main focus of the first part of this little mini show that he yeah, was doing. Sorry, yeah, yeah. And um, my God, he's angry, isn't he? Yeah, they are. He's I, so angry, yeah. isn't he? What's, what are they so angry about? I find it quite easy to just avoid them completely. There's a morbid curiosity. We still need to know, even though we know that we're mm. going to get frustrated by it, mm. there is a compulsion that I think we've all got. We need to know what they're saying. We To, to save our fandom yeah. and to save your passion for these things, you've got 
to let go of of these these assholes and focus back on what we love. Well, when did hate watching start? Um, when did that become a thing? It, Suddenly, you can get one hundred and fifty thousand views on YouTube. And yeah. Some, well, there and we some go. Monetary compensation. That's when it started by doing. And the person that I was talking about doing that, that the the, um, the doctor think that I told you about, then the angry guy. He, I'm not going to mention his name on here because I don't want to drag. No, absolutely to not. No. And and the um, but what he does. Every he does a review of every episode of Batwoman, and can I say that's not very well written and it's the weakest show of the lot at the moment and they need to improve it, but it is getting better each week. But he, you've had your screeners again, I'm presuming. I'm, I am, I am, I am getting my review copies so that I can straight from the states, right? Okay, and um. Because you are a dual citizen, so technically you're allowed that, Indeed. aren't you? Indeed, yeah? yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right. Good. Uh, I've Just got my bat rights. Okay. <laughs> and they, um, but he watches everywhere, and it's like the title of it is horrendous first episode, awful second episode, hideous third episode. What? And it's like, why is he watching it? The rise. Why is he watching it then? If he doesn't like it. Why are you watching it? It's the the best term I've ever heard is recreational outrage. Oh, yeah. Um, but unfortunately, there's enough of an audience there. It's yeah, just it. it clearly, they, they feed each other. We fed the beast. When we started this show ten years ago, yeah, you had a couple of outlets like Red Letter Media, yeah, yeah, who were doing this stuff, yeah. But you know, they were few and far between. Yeah, of course. And look at it now, ten years later. Red Letter Media, they're still going, but they have to compete in their, their hatred for everything uh, with, with a, a million other screaming fanboys. I know, I know. I, it's just, but it's just bizarre to watch. Um, I just don't understand why. When, like, last night, I've got, I'm trying to catch up on stuff because I want to write about some stuff in my column. I've got some other stuff to do. I've got some stuff I want to watch anyway. And and then I've got this crisis on Infinite Earths coming up. So I want to catch up with the CW shows. And I'm like, go watch it. I'm trying to watch other stuff. There ain't enough time. Right? Believe me. If there is a show that I'm not even gripped by, I won't be watching it after two, two no, episodes. No, I know. Yeah. Right? Not gripped by. If there is a show that I actively hate... Well, the only reason why I can think all this is going on is, is number one, they're very sad and they've nothing else in their life. Number two, it is the money. It's the monetization of those videos because those ones I'm talking about, the Batwoman ones, are getting 150,000. 150,000 yeah, yeah. views. They won't be ma yeah. making money hand over fist, but they'll be making quite a lot to uh, compensate, you know, uh, a... a a quite a small yeah. day job, you know what I mean? Fifteen minutes yeah. of screaming. They're all right. They're doing 15 all right. Fifteen minutes of screaming about uh, right. They, they, they Let's you, not spend too much time on more, this because this is part example. of the problem, Mike. I'll give you one, 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 one thing. In one, uh, I thought this was a funny line, right? And this, this just goes to show how things get perverted by him. He was reviewing that Bat, a Batwoman episode, and there's one bit where the um, she threw the batarang, and and the guy that's looking after the Batcave, and he's kind of like her Alfred in it. He. Um, it she she missed and it hit and and destroyed a priceless Ming vase and then all of a sudden it's all over the TV. Oh, Batwoman screws up! It's really bad and she's complaining to him, going, "Oh, it's not working like that." And then he started to go, "Oh, um, 
oh uh, yeah this uh, well you know it's a calibration and, and you did take it and you didn't bother to try train with it it's, and he, he said it's finally calibrated blah 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 and then she went well look I, don't, I need to get this fixed I don't need you batsplaining to me and I, <laughs> I found that quite funny that uh, that and, is funny and he, but he, he was used that in the because he, he um, it started off and he started because I wanted to listen to it and this is the only one that I listened to just for two minutes just wanted to hear what he was going on about and he just started going oh, yes and then because he actually came up with the phrase batsplaining yeah yeah because if you say mansplaining then it's obvious then isn't it but yeah no that's okay that's how you can get your feminine liberal tripe in here and you can brainwash us all isn't it and I start going holy shit yeah holy shit is mad is mental but this is it mental. mate you are actually seeking this dude out oh he comes up on the timeline because I watched because I once watched that video that we were in that he did go That's in the corner coming up go in the corner and you can say I never want to see this person ever again click oh, I've never done gone that. Yeah. everyone needs to sign I've in to YouTube that. by the way oh I do yeah I sign do, in yeah, and I just do. leave it signed in because oh, their algorithms are very very good I never see any hate on my yeah. on yeah. my suggested videos it's just pure joy yeah. oh well I've only and got, positivity I've only got that and Star because, Wars because I watched that because we were in it and then I watched the another when it had popped up and I went oh what's he moaning about now I, I just wanted to know how I, this is why I watch Fox News you're stuck I in want, that you're stuck in the Fox cycle News you've got to get out of this yeah. cycle oh no I, it's like I, one of Dante's rungs of hell the problem this. is I can watch MSNBC I can watch whatever politics show but then I watch Fox News because I want to see how the other side think and all that and that's really useful to me but I don't go home and the TV turn on and then make me watch Fox News for an hour when I don't want to whereas with YouTube you can't occasionally watch something because it then comes it infects your timeline yeah. for about a month this is why I and hate it you when Shauna watches my YouTube on my Apple TV. Oh, shit. Yeah, I know. So <laughs> I have to go on damage control. Can't, Otherwise, it's just... men turning up. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. She's into wrestling, if people don't know who Starburst Shauna is. Yeah. And she's my flatmate. And sweaty men. Yes. <laughs> so this, look, this is meant to be our hobby. <laughs> yeah, Hobbies are escapism. I know. We've I know. got the real world to deal with yeah. all day long. We don't need these assholes infecting our enjoyment on our very, very well, precious escapism. I'd love him to be doing his next Batwoman uh, YouTube video and then suddenly it just comes on the news that there is an extinction-level event happening and that the meteor is generally coming and then he looks out the window and the sky's being blocked out by this giant thing heading towards it. I'd like that to happen. And then suddenly it's all in perspective for him. <laughs> yeah, but what about us? Oh, yeah, that's it's, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, he just gets told he's got cancer then or something. Oh, boy. It's a bit dark, though, that. Yeah. Anyway, we've got a couple of emails, and then we've got a... We're going to put on uh, for you an interview. Another interview. This is the third week he's in become, a row. Season 10 is kicking ass. It, it's Martin Unsworth. He's become Kermit the Frog. Oh, wow. He just keeps going out there harassing, um, ignoring the restraining orders and interviewing these really famous horror icons. So this week, Bill Mosley. Great stuff. I know you like him. I do, yeah. I like him. Uh, great 
in Texas Chainsaw 2. Yeah. That's I know you agree with me oh, there. I absolutely love that film. It's one of the most underrated horror films ever made. I have his figure. I do as well. I've got it. With you've it, got it, me. Oh, I might have. Many did, years ago, did, he did. comes equipped yeah. with what were his accessories? His Sonny Bono wig. Yeah, yeah. His coat hanger that he yeah. uses to scratch his me- uh, the flesh off his metal uh, metal plate in his skull. Oh, God almighty. Yeah, and then he yeah he used to heat it up the end yeah. of yeah. the coat hanger yeah. with his lighter. Yeah. And then scratch it, it's scratch his head through such the wig. A bizarre thing. And it? then, and then eat the flesh. People off the forget, coat, anger. People forget how, <gasps> how absolutely messed up that film was. It's it, so good. It's utterly bonkers. It's one of my favourite sequels, that. Yeah. yeah. I always remember that Toby Hooper says that he made that film and he ha- amped up the humour. Yeah. It's like a Looney Tunes cartoon, it's isn't very, it? It's very, very black, though, isn't it? He said... Humor. I was always disappointed that people didn't get the comedy in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> I did. I mean, no, I know. It, you know, so, it sounds ludicrous, no, though, isn't no, it? No, no. A lot of it. It's like, that's funny that you've just described, but I know people who'd watch that and just go, what? Yeah, what, I know. What's he doing? Oh, horrible. But, no, I like and And obviously, love him in the Devil Rejects movies. I think he was great in them. He was great in House of a Thousand Corpses, Devil's Rejects, and he was even good in that horrendous sequel that we were talking about last week that we won't go on about again because Mm. of what we were just saying. What's the point? Uh, Three from hell. Yeah. Anyway. And now Martin's not here to defend it because he didn't really like it. He just can't bring himself... It's, it's funny, isn't it, Martin? It's fucking disappointing. Because he can't bring himself to say that he really likes something. Yeah, no. You know, the best that you'll get was... It was quite good. Yeah. And that's his favourite film of the year. Uh, but it, So it, it, everything just seems to be good. He even, won't say... Even, he, even people that he's interviewed. Yeah. <laughs> if you remember. <laughs> Oh dear. my god! I couldn't believe that. That had me. That I could. I mean, if the I, kids from it. Yeah. Last week. Yeah, they were they were quite good, weren't they? Quite good. Quite good. Oh, I wish he was here to tell us whether Bill Mosley was any good. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna say he he's amazing, and right. it's a very forthright interview. And he does. He is asked about the passing of Sid Haig, and he mm. makes comments on that. So it's very up to date, and you know he covers everything. It's really good, right? So we'll we'll just read a few emails and then maybe we'll hit that and give give you a break from us and you can spend some time with Mr. Bill Mosley and James Perkins. See, he's not got the. Uh, it's James Magic. He's not not on here. It's James Perkins, freelance film journalist. This one, he's got his little professional little signature at the bottom. Evening, chaps. Hope you are all well. Fun question to kick things off tonight. What was the first film that you remember watching at the cinema? Was it the film that made you obsessed with this wonderful medium? Dead easy for me, that one. The Four Musketeers. And, yeah, because it was brilliant. Uh, I loved swashbuckling. And even though it wasn't the biggest fantasy movie of the era, I mean, I saw a lot of cartoons, a lot of Disney stuff. I remember seeing the, the Robin Hood with the fox yeah yeah and all that lots of stuff like that but that that stuck with me because it was a very dark sequel like the three musketeers i saw the four musketeers and then saw later on on tv the three musketeers and the four musketeers brilliant films made by the cell kinds who made the the superman movies and they 
it, the first one's a fun little romp and it's great. The casts are great. They they play the part well, especially um, Portos, who's who's played by. Um, sorry, I can't jump in and help you. Here. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, drunk too much. Uh, Oliver Reed. Oh God. Yeah, he blanked then. I blanked. Um, Oliver Reed is brilliant in it, and then but the four Musketeers drunk too much. Oh, that was the, that was the thing all the time. Yeah, he, and he lived the part. Oh yeah, I mean, the wild part, thing himself. Yeah, this part was him. This part literally was him. Portos is the hard drinking, alky one of the the three, the funny one who's who just he'll have an argument with you, then smash a pint pot over your head, you know. But he was great in that. It's like being with uh, Fab with Martin, yeah, indeed. So the sequel, The Four Musketeers, was dead dark. So I saw this as a kid, and the the woman uh, there was a really bad one, Milady, in it. She was played by Faye Dunaway, and she was throwing daggers with made of glass filled with acid at people, Crikey. and they were sticking in the walls, and then the walls were melting. And I was like, "Oh my god, this is uh, pretty amazing." Um, what about says, me? Yeah, go on. It'll be uh, the first one that I can remember is, and this will come as no surprise, Return of the Jedi. Yeah. In 1983, and I think I was seven years old. Mm. That's I remember quite late to be going to for first one. Well, did you not go like five or three no? That's or the first one I remember. Yeah, I saw New Hope or mm. Star Wars as it was called then. Yeah, but I was one. Oh yeah, yeah. And I saw Empire Strikes Back, but I've got no memory of it. It's a lot to take in that one. So you? seven years, my my movie memories started when I was eight years old. Right, yeah. Well, no, sorry, when I was when I, I was seven. All the details. I rem- yeah, I remember collecting the Panini sticker album for Gremlins. Mm. Uh, I remember watching a uh, uh, taping uh, Barry Norman's film Eighty Four yeah. every single week. Yeah, yeah. And so I was eight mm. at that time. Yeah. Uh, you know uh, the Ghostbusters. Mm. Leading up to Ghostbusters, collecting the the stickers and all that yeah. all that jazz, and then I remember vividly when they said uh, uh, on film eighty four that Gremlins was a, a fifteen, mm. and I was devastated because I'd just spent months collecting every sticker in this Panini yeah, album. It's a shame. And my yeah. dad said, "It's okay, son. Ghostbusters will be better." Mm. You know what? It it was. Mm. Yeah. Well, the thing is. It was a mass. There was a massive kickoff on TV over it in the media because it was marketed to kids. Kids wanted to see Gremlins. Young kids wanted to see it because look at the Mogwai. You're look telling me Panini would have bothered with yeah, that license they, they if they knew it was going to be a 15. They did not think it was going to be, and I think at the time, am I right? They weren't. There wasn't a 12. There so was not a PG, or you had a 15, and there was a big difference. The first 12 was yeah. Uh, Batman. Yeah. Now. The the there's only did the scene that got that was the microwave one. That's the one that did it. And the well, that's the one that did it. You can't really. You could have cut that, but then again, you know, there's a chainsaw finale. Yeah. Uh, there's that. gremlins wielding knives, kitchen yeah. knives. These are all very. Yeah. Um, a kid could replicate any no, of totally these, apart from that. the chainsaw, you know. Oh, I get that. But you know, you it's, don't, you don't know you hedge trimmers. Yeah, you weren't alone. There was a massive, um, big, big kickoff over it. And if I remember correctly, it was the same thing that happened. Although they did get a twelve for Alien versus Predator, there were places like Burger King and and such doing the toys for it. 
which is crazy because that really needed to be an adult property and this gremlins there were there were toys available oh yes toys available everywhere and they were giving them away with stuff and like you say you had the stickers you you literally wound up a load of kids it was bloody mental and mr perkins also says on the subject of christmas taking over as you know i work part-time in a shop as well as writing we received our christmas stock in august which is mental august oh god poor sod the christmas music began on november 1st and has completely sucked the life and joy out of the season capitalism is a motherfucking bitch Anyway, keep up the good work. Well, there you go. David Galdard, I was I was going to say before this show ended a, a big shout-out to David because you uh, sent us a lovely present today and it really cheered everybody up. It oh, thank you so much. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. And we've, we've just started, I've just started on the, on the chocolate time bar. It was a big chocolate bouquet, wasn't it? It's hard to explain. They, it, it is like a bouquet of flowers. Yes, but, it's but with bars. quality chocolate bars in. Really nice, actually. Really, it's such a cool present. Second year in the running. Mm-hmm. You weren't here to enjoy the uh, spoils no, last no. year, although we did save you some. I know. And a certain member of the office. The gremlins got them. Mm, the, yeah, 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 yeah. The gremlins got them. Yeah. And David's saying, hi guys, you asked what we're up to over Christmas. It's my birthday and Boxing Day, so we're saving Rise of Skywalker for then. Nice. Well, I hope you're going to stay off the internet then. I'm hoping to spend the rest of the holidays sat on my ass watching TVD. TVDs. What's a TVD? <laughs> DVD, TV slash DVDs and gaming. Hopefully some new releases and old classics. I have spoken. That's the reference that to... That sounds something... Something. ...familiar, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, Russ Unsworth's here to take the place of Martin. Right. So we've we got go. one Unsworth so at least. we Unsworth, Mr Unsworth here, and then we're going to, right after this, we're going to go over to Mr Martin Unsworth. Evening, chaps. OK, so I sat through the Irishman. Surely the wonders of de-aging are only good if the body can take it. Bobby De Niro looked youthful, but stamping on the greengrocer's hand like an 80-year-old on Peloton from that point I couldn't take the warmth of the story seriously then Gemini Man takes Will Smith back to when he was a PS1 character and looked more like Abe obviously than, than Smith fuck shit Ross PS I was unsure on the new intro and voiceovers until the row over Unicorn then you got me sold love them keep it up or, or, or keep it up or wrap a rubber band around it nice one there's a pink flute statement I've seen it I know where you're coming from. I wasn't paying that much attention, but I do get I do get it. You can't a young man would have done that in a different way, I get it. Most of the time it looked a bit like him, but what I didn't understand was the blue eyes, and anybody who's watching it might know what I'm talking about. Robert De Niro, one of the things that you see about him, as much as I don't I don't think Daniel Craig is Mr. Supermodel good looking, he has got very piercing blue eyes, which are, pre- are very appealing to, and you know, that's a nice feature to have. I don't remember Robert De Niro having them, but he's got them in this film. Now, that's weird because the character he's playing, nobody's ever heard of, and it's one of these fascinating characters from history that it's explaining who this guy is who was involved in all this big shit and you've never heard of him. So if he did have piercing blue eyes, I don't think anyone was going to sit there and go, hang on a minute, Robert De Niro's got brown eyes, I'm not having this. And he has, he, they're just not right. 
I don't know what it is. The de-aging... What an odd decision. The, I, they've changed colour of his eyes, I'm sure they have. I don't, either that or they've amped up the blue in it because it just looks crazy. And um, the... He doesn't look bad, though, in a lot of these scenes, and I think Joe Pesci, they de-aged him quite well. They don't have him doing anything physical that gives it away. But it's a funny thing, this de-aging, and we're into this era, and then we're on the verge of actually having James Dean in a bloody movie. (sighs) You know? Mm. Um, Yeah, this is going to be going on for a long time, this debate on this show, I'm afraid. I, I, I have my... I have my misgivings about all this. I'm just not sure where where to stand on it. They're talking about the uh, the James Dean thing. Do you remember when um, Carrie Fisher passed away? Yeah, and obviously she was a ma- that character was a major part of um, yep. what was what is now known as Rise of Skywalker. Well, the whole thing was going to be the first one was a goodbye to Anson. Yes, focus on him. Second one yeah. was Luke Skywalker. The third one neat. was going to be us. I mean, in in reality. What should have probably happened if you'd have known this was going to happen is you swap it. You what if you'd have, if you'd have known that someone was going to die? die. Oh come on, man! Second one, yeah. In the last one, but my point, my you're left with what you're left with. My point you is uh, that uh, they could have tried to digitally replace Carrie Fisher, mm. but they said that would be very disrespectful. Mm. You know, because they'd already got the technology. Well, they already attempted it in Rogue One, didn't they? Are they? Putting a re- they, they are recreating some bits with her, though. I mean, they, they've got to, but I know what you mean. They're not recreating a whole role with her. Like, no. They're not recreating a whole new big set of... Yeah. No, they had but, some... Yeah. They have, they, they had they've from got from the footage other, that yeah. they've not used. And which yeah, they've got Abrams, 20 minutes, which is quite a lot. Ab- Abrams says, well, no, I know how long she's in it for. Oh, right. But I don't want to say it on here. Okay. So I thought they had outtakes and all sorts. They do, and this is what Abram, Abram said. Mm. It it spookily fit the story right, that so they wanted to tell. Well, that's okay, isn't but it? But at the end of the day, she would have had a much bigger role to play yeah, in yeah. this movie, know, and they that. decided not to do a, 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 you know, a, a CGI version of it out of respect. Yeah. See, I'm the other way around on the, on the Rogue One. Whereas everyone singing the praises of, oh my God, CGI, Peter Cushing, brilliant. And I thought, oh no, that is not right, that. And yet everyone's moaning about about Carrie Fisher and at the end and, and Princess Leia's cameo and going that. But I thought that looked fine. Now, I think, and thinking about this, I think it's my age, I think these people are younger than me. And I think that they are very familiar with every nuance of Carrie Fisher so they can look at that and just go, hang on, that's not quite right. I can see it's not quite right, but it's more than passable, it's fine. Whereas they don't know Peter Cushion. They don't know that he's not like that. They don't know that his eyes don't move that way. They don't know that I know him that well. He could be a member of the family. Me and Martin spent our youth growing up watching all his films, and that's the difference. I think you can... It's like the same thing if you did a CGI version of of somebody... And it was a mate of mine and yours. Yeah, we knew the person, the actor. Yeah. I don't think you could ever fool us. Yeah. And that's the difference. I think the more you know the well, actor... I've got a surprise for you. You know, you're shocked. Uh, yeah, he's disappeared. I start, I start glitching. He's, he's gone. He's glitching. <laughs> Clever, no, eh? No, listen. All if, these years. If, if one of us... If one of us is is that, it's me because the 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 key is there's quite a few shows where I've repeated the same part of the show twice. So it's happened. Yeah, it usually involving some 
libation, shall we say. Anyway, we'd better get this interview going, because Bill Mosley is not a person that you want to keep waiting. Well, first of all, uh, condolences. We lost Sid recently. Yes, yes, we did, yeah. Um, that hit you hard, or...? It did, although, um, you know, I certainly uh, knew that he was uh, in, in very apparent declining health. So, uh, but I guess whenever the end comes, uh, it's always a shock, no matter how predictable it might have been. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, this is the first convention I've done since uh, being with Sid, or the, the first convention I've done that uh, where Sid was also scheduled. Yeah. And so it, it does, you know, bring it a little more uh, home. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So... Coming to the uh, your career, Chop Top was an amazing character. We, at Starburst, we all love Texas Chainsaw Two. Um, how was that character for you? Was, you? You really embodied it. Seemed to anyway. So uh, I was Chop Top, and and Chop Top's never really that far away, to tell you the truth. I uh, <laughs> I'm still I'm still very much uh, very much Chop Top. It's uh, the only the only uh, regret I have is that there was never a chance to play him again. I mean, I did do uh, I did I did a chop top for uh, Toby Hooper's son Tony uh, in a movie or a, you know basically a short called uh, 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 All American Massacre, but it never it never came out. It was really more of like a, just a backyard type project, which grew bigger and bigger, and then finally just uh, never never seemed to materialize. Uh, but. Uh, that was fun, but I, I regret not having a, another chance to play Chop Top. You, you, you did a, a version in, in the, the musical band, Corn Books. How, what was that like? Would you like to go back to being into music again? Or? Uh, yes, actually. Uh, you know, because I, I did, uh, you know, I do have some music. Uh, I obviously uh, used to play uh, in a band called Corn Bugs with uh, Buckethead and uh, World's Greatest Guitar Player. And then also... Um, with a, uh, a man named Ronnie Sharon, and Ronnie and I um, had a project called Spider Mountain, and then more recently uh, with Phil Anselmo of Pantera called uh, Bill and Phil. Um, so I'm always doing music. I'm always thinking about it. I'm, right now I'm working on a project called Mr. Machine with a couple of guys from a, from a band called uh, War Beast. And uh, so we're, we're working away. That's also uh, Housecore Records, which is uh, Phil Anselmo's label. Yeah, well, he's massively into horror, isn't he? So is that how you got to know him? Or? It is, actually. You know, I, I actually was uh, called upon to, uh, to interview Phil for a, a website, a music website called Artist Direct. That was a couple, maybe four or five years ago. And, um, and I was supposed to be the, the horror actor, and Phil was the musician, and we were going to interview each other. Well, it turns out that Phil knew a lot more about horror than I did. So Phil is very—he's very—he's very experienced, and uh, uh, and obviously I knew less about music than he knew about horror. But we became pals, uh, and uh, Phil loves to write uh, emails. So we became—I I call it pen pals—and yeah. I guess e-pen and. Uh, uh, over the years, we you know we would chat back and forth, and I'd say you know we should get together and make some music, and uh, that was kind of like asking Paul McCartney to be in your garage band. Yeah. And uh, and finally he said, look, I got four days. If you can get down to Louisiana, 
where I live in the you know in the, in the woods of Louisiana. Um, you know, we'll see what we can do, and um, and I did. I got I cashed in some air miles and flew down to New Orleans and rented a car and drove to his place, and we uh, we cranked out uh, Bill and Phil songs of darkness and despair, uh, which is an EP, and. Uh, it really worked out well. I think that uh, Phil Phil travels all the time, so I'm not sure what the future of Bill and Phil is. But um, I know that if we really, you know, wanted to do it, we could, you know, maybe do another album. Mm. Yeah. And would you be interested in touring with him as well, doing something live? That I don't know. I mean, I, that that would be um, uh, that would be a little tough in terms of my uh, acting schedule. But um, I guess all things are possible. Um, I, I've seen him certainly in concert a bunch of times and uh, you know, know that world of uh, the one thing I know is you don't crap on the bus that was what I was told <laughs> I mean there are, other, there are other rules of the road is it, yes and etiquette is a touring <laughs> keep it in yeah, right. don't crap on the bus so that, that's the one thing I know about you know, the, the tour the life of the touring musician and coming to the uh, the Rob Zombie films, yes. Um, what was what was that character like? What was Otis like to play? Uh, Otis is the only character I've really uh, played more than once. Um, this is number three now with Three from Hell, uh, which also includes my wife Lucinda, who plays uh, a character called Nebraska. And Nebraska is one of the two bounty hunters that surprised Richard Brake and. In the woods, I'll and have to watch it, but. yes, and poor poor Lucinda doesn't doesn't fare too well, uh, but uh, she was very good at what she did, yes. and uh, she yes. took a took a blast of, of of blood and brains to the face. But Special uh, effects, yeah, how you prove yourself. On yes, <laughs> uh, but playing Otis again was actually it was very easy. I think once I got over the initial uh, actor concerns, which always get in the way, like. Not so much which is my better side, but uh, just trying to, uh, you know, overthinking, uh, wanting to uh, make sure that I did a, a good Otis and not, not just, uh, you know, honoring the, the past performances, but also um, advancing the character after 14 years in prison or whatever the, the, the story is. So um, once I got through, of all, you know, just... I basically, uh, I remember at one point early on in the in the shooting of the movie, um, I had some kind of a, uh, I did have some kind of a um, uh, mini monologue, and I was stumbling over it a couple of times. And, uh, it, you know, Rob was looking at me like, hey, man, and uh, I just said, give me a second. So I just sat down, and I... And I, uh, I heard this voice say, "Bill, get out of the way. I've got this." It really was the. It was Otis just saying, "You know, we don't need the Hollywood actor th- overthinking this. I've got this. Just get, get out, of the, out of the way." Yeah, get the <laughs> f out of the way. And I did, and uh, everything worked fine after that. Cool. Just you know, get out of the way. And I guess it, going back to, to Sid as well, it would have been weird doing those characters without Sid there as well. I know he's in it, but you didn't share any scenes, did you? Uh, we didn't. Although I went the, the day he the day he worked, I, I made I, I actually had an off day, and I made sure that I got to the set. I just wanted to uh, 
you know, be there as, uh, you know, supporting. And um, also we, we got a, we got a, some photographs together with Sherry, and so that was good. But, um, yeah, I thought Sid did a great job. I thought that, you know, given the circumstances of his health and whatever was, you know, limiting him. Um, I thought uh, Rob made good use of Sid. I thought uh, Sid had a nice, you know, a couple of good lines, a nice little monologue there. So, um, but yeah, it was very interesting that uh, that also that, that uh, Sherry, uh, Baby, and I would have a scene talking about him uh, uh, when we were down in our Mexican uh, hotel room and we had some... You know, moments to reflect on his life, and uh, you know, I thought that was a, that was a sweet part of uh, uh, of the movie. Uh, you know, because we, you know, Sid certainly was you know alive and kicking then, but uh, you know, it was just it was something to contemplate. I thought it was also interesting that that we really didn't go too deep. <laughs> you know, the fireflies, you know, aren't really you know contemplative. Whoa. We aren't really that contemplative. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was like he had a good life, uh, you know, and then, you know, we all get fucked in the end, basically, is the, the message of our little moments of, of contemplation. And, uh, and then, you know, let's go get fucked up. And so it was, you know, moving on. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm glad that got in. And, uh, yeah, but I, I certainly miss it. I'm sure that will become apparent, you know, over the, over, as time goes by. And is there any indication that there might be a, a fourth film with the Fireflies? Or uh, not I, that I have heard of. But it was, of course, it was, there it was, was a there long was, distance between the two, anyway. Yes, and the, yes. Although you know, certainly uh, there was uh, every indication that there wouldn't be a third. So um, you never know. It was it was very interesting that uh, <laughs> right that the way it ends is basically the way it ends is basically. Uh, you know, three from hell. Spoiler alert! That uh, you know, as we drive off with baby behind the wheel, which I thought was very funny. Um, that uh, it looks like you know the, the road is ours, uh, the future is open, and uh, you know we'll see what happens. Space. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. All right. Thanks. Nice to meet you. That was interesting. That was very touching, that, actually, all the stuff that he was saying about uh, Sid. He clearly cared a lot for him. Oh, absolutely. And it's a shame, isn't it? But um, at least he got he, at least he got to see him in that role one more time. But I love Captain Spaulding as a character. Great character, brilliant. I mean, you know, again, there's a lot of scary clowns, but he's one of the best. I don't know if you remember some of the stuff he, he was saying in was it House of a Thousand Corpses or was it Devil's Rejects where he's saying to that kid he was just horrendous to this little kid when he scared the crap out of him didn't he saying I'm going to come back and get you and kill you and stuff yeah it was Devil's Rejects yeah it was, it was it's terrible a, that bit in it, the car when he, his mum I'm going to have to commandeer this vehicle uh, um, I've got a clown on official clown business that's right yeah What's that about clown business? Yeah. Did I stutter? Yeah. Yeah, and I won't I won't do the rest. Yeah, let's go, yeah. Get in the car, little Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever his name. Don't is. you like clowns? Don't we make you laugh? Yeah. Aren't we fucking funny? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I mean. It's just terrifying. Well, I mean, it's redneck horror. Mm. It's it is why is it so scary? Redneck horror. But it, it is, though, isn't it? Uh, name me another one. Hills of Eyes. 
wrong the, turn. Um, yeah, and the, the, the one of the worst ever, and I mean of all these horror films, that were most disturbing ever. That one, the, there was an episode of the X Files. Oh yeah, I remember that it. one. Oh my god, where the, they kept the mother. <laughs> they were inbreeding, and they kept the mother with uh, uh, boxing Helena style. <laughs> yeah, I knew you were going to say in that. A thing underneath the bed, didn't yeah. they? And kept shagging her to make more babies. All oh, right, okay. Let's let's get on to some nicer news or okay. nicer emails. Or oh, Tony Grant saying, "Wow, you're back. We are back, Tony. It's yeah. true. You know what? We've not had chance to uh, talk about." Well, apart from any news whatsoever, but that's not, you know, that's not unusual. Mm-hmm. Uh, Disney are bringing Planet of the Apes back. Yep. Wes Ball of Maze Runner fame. I use the word fame lightly there, but Maze Runner was a very successful trilogy. Was it? it was. It was. You're looking at me with disdain right now. I, it, it To me, it's one of these YA things isn't it it's like There's nothing wrong with that i tell you what maze runner was actually a really cool movie the second one yeah well let's just say i never went to see the third one okay what's yeah. that one um that i saw two of them and then they they made two of them and then the i think the divergent one, divergent the, yeah. and then the the title of the second one was insurgent Di- insurgent divergent two or summer <laughs> and then the third one and i'm like i couldn't even figure out which what which one i should see next no you know well i know you're a massive planet of the apes fan yeah uh right from 1968 is that right yeah one the i don't original. like is the tim burton one and i don't even know why because i love tim burton you didn't like abraham lincoln no, you didn't like that? That's out of the book, that. Abraham that's, Lincoln? That's in the book. Abraham Lincoln is in the book? Well, they've not called him that, but that, that ending was in the book. They arrived back and then it's the planet of... Our planet was Planet of the Apes. Back, he went back and everything had been changed back on his Earth. And in our time, that's, that's what happened in the book. And then they... So they took the actual ending of the... Um, What's it? Is it Pierre Boulet? His book. It, it um, is, yeah. Eight, pl- eight. Boulet. Uh, yeah, that's it. And he, they took the proper ending with that one. However, I think the ending of the sixties one improved on it. I thought that was great. Yeah. And and it's, it's all right. We one all of the best endings. It. We all know. Ever. It. We all know it now. But can you imagine being in a cinema back then, watching that? That must have blown people's minds because there was no time travel stuff out. No. There was none of that. All this stuff we take for granted with the Back to the Future and time travel. So, oh, here we go again. No, that was a point where it's, oh, my God, seismic. So shocking an idea. I wonder if it's possible to um, surprise an audience to that level nowadays. I mean, no. isn't it the, no. like, the sixth sense was the last time I've ever seen the world en masse go nuts for a twist ending? Yeah. I can't think. Maybe we can have a think uh, for, for the next what, episode. They, they, they was, I thought there was a twist that was pretty seismic in Joker, but it, no one else seems to have really gone on about that. I just thought that was really big. I'm surprised people didn't go on about that more. Uh, it was very um, well done. Very yeah, well done. it was well done. But I know what you mean. That was the whole movie premise altered with Exactly, that yeah. Um, so this Planet of the Apes... Oh, there was a bigger twist, though. Go on. He, uh, in what he, the 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 child yeah 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 he grew up to be an ugly motherfucker so this planet of the apes 
Uh, we don't know whether this is going to be a reboot. I mean, that would be a disaster if they did that. It's crazy There's no to do point. It. The it's last crazy. three movies, uh, Rupert, Rupert Wyatt's first, what was it, Rise of the Planet yeah. of the Apes? Yeah. Then Dawn. it was Dawn of the Planet of the Apes mm-hmm. uh, from Matt Reeves. Yeah. And then Matt Reeves followed it up yeah. with War yeah. of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. All three were critically acclaimed. Yeah. Uh, the, the, all three made a lot of money. Yeah. The, the last one, not as, as much, but, yeah. you know, it could have had some fierce competition at the time. I don't know. But they're very well regarded. Just because Caesar's died. Oh, yeah. Am I allowed to say? That? I wonder, I wonder are, if yeah, you're allowed course, to say that. Of course, you are. but that kind of wraps up that trilogy. It but does, there is yeah. so much more plot. Yeah, to... because the the original was a cycle, a cycle of a trilogy, uh, a quadrilogy, not quad. It was a. Where my name's five? Oh, it's five. Movies, it's a film series. A film series yeah. that's circular. The, yeah. the, it, you can start watching those movies at any point, to be honest, and then just carry on and watch the remaining ones. The it started in the future in Planet of the Apes and an astronaut Taylor crashes then he finds himself on a Planet of the Apes beneath the Planet of the Apes he then finds the last humans alive they sat on a bomb that could destroy the world it goes off, the world's destroyed and then some apes escape and in Escape from the Planet of the Apes the, the that basically starts roughly where the new, the new ones start where it's now, present day and the, oh, um, hello, what's this? And in present day, the, uh, yeah, it's Sean. Oh, hello. Oh, hiya. Are you right? Yeah, all right. You look wrapped up and warm. Yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> why, why are you surprised about that? Cause it, it's, they're all on you, it's fine, just talk. What What do you well, want? I was about to leave and then I, I, I saw a queue of kids waiting outside. This hot, like, radio station. A queue of kids? Yeah. <laughs> is this a setup to some kind of I joke? I have no idea what's going <laughs> yeah. on right now. This is a grotto. A grotto, oh, like Santa's grotto. <laughs> yeah, I had to pay him five quid to just skip the queue. My God. Oh, dear me. <laughs> anyway, I'm going. Oh, I hope God. you've got a, uh, some good presents in here because they're going to go mad if you don't. <laughs> See you later. Okay. See you in a bye, Well, there we go. Second week in a row. Yeah. There she is. Wave. Just, uh, yeah. Bye, Shona. Confused then. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, she uh, she chose the timing well, didn't she? Because there's, did, there's didn't 11 they, minutes yeah. of the show to go. I uh, know. But yeah, they, um, so the second one did that. Third one, they ended up here. Then then it told the story. So you started off, Cornelius was played by Roddy McDowell. He was the main ape in it. Then, so the star was Taylor, but it ended up being that character that was a pivotal one. Because he then escaped. And then, so. Cornelius, played by Roddy McDowell as the ape, played um, in Planet of the Apes, beneath Planet of the Apes, and escaped to Earth, and he was killed off in in Escape from the Planet of the Apes. And then you had you had Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, and Battle for the Planet of the Apes was the story of his son, Caesar. So it started at a different point to where these other new movies... So in the first movie... Or Rise to the Planet of the Apes, there's a big thing about when the plague, at the end of the film, the plague's wiping mankind out, and it's all over the news, as well as the plague, it says, and the missing astronauts are missing in space, and we don't know where they are and all that. It's clearly setting up the fact that at some point, those astronauts are going to arrive back on Earth, and Earth will have been changed. 
See, they they never touched back on that little plot point, did they? No, no, no. So, so, so they set it up in the first one, hoped you'd forget about that, and then if they do do the fourth one, it should be in the future. And instead, you've got a descendant of of, um, of Caesar, yep. played by I suppose. Let's get Circus back again. Why not? And he's playing Cornelius. And Cornelius, instead of being a leader, is probably quite servile and, and not in control of anything and then meets the astronauts when they land and then you can tell that story. They're going to do it. It's they will. not to do it they, yeah. they made money. They, they're, they're smarter than we're giving them credit for yeah. anyone thinking that they're going to reboot this. They're not. They're just. It's going to be a continuation. You've got the technology and you've got the rendering. They're ready. All those maps and the mapping and the, the technology, all the time it's took to do the hair on all them apes that's interchangeable, some of it. Yeah. it they've got it all there ready. It will not cost as much to do. No, of course not. In other news, you've got the... Um, development that uh, arrived today David Tennant is doing around the world in 80 days all oh, right yeah he's going to play Phileas Fogg why don't we just an, cut why don't we just make this future proof David Tennant is playing every character in every film and TV show that's ever <laughs> going to be produced from now on hey this is this project Jesus is written Christ, by he gets work he who does. is his agent who is his agent it's only just recently, though, isn't it? I mean, there was a time there where he was starring Man, in the likes of uh, Fr- the Fright Night remake. You know, he was struggling At a little bit. At the beginning, bit. he did that, and then he did do anything. Then he did Broadchurch, and then slowly but surely, it's just exploded. He's everywhere. This is from the um, uh, the writers behind Life on Mars as well, yeah. so that's pretty exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So he's got, he's got the most successful post-Doctor Who career, then. Of, of, of everybody? Yeah. Is that right? Are you sure? Yeah, because... Right, Bigger well, than Eccleston? Did, tra- right, um, William Hartnell was pretty ill and did, hardly worked after that. He didn't work. Troughton did a couple of um, movies. He did The Omen a couple of... And then went back, played Doctor a few times, but he did Convention Circuit. Pertwee did Wurzel Gummidge, and then that was it. Tom Baker did uh, an adaptation of Sherlock Holmes and loads of voiceovers, that's it. Um, I think you're right. Something. Then you've got um, Peter Davison. He did all right. He did a few comedies, but nowhere near what Tennant's done. He did it At Home with the Braveweights and a few other things. He, do, he went back to all creatures, great and small, but only for a, a season or two. Then you got then Colin Baker certainly didn't do anything after who... Sylvester McCoy popped up in the Lord of the Rings. Popped up in Lord of the Rings, yeah. but only in that, and yeah. he's not that well. His legs are a bit knackered, and that's that's the end of of that. Who uh, Paul McGann sketchy does bits here, bits there, yeah, not no, much. You're right. So then you got Christopher Eccleston was already famous. Remember, really mega famous. Um, he's continued to work. Capaldi works a lot. Yeah, Capaldi. Well, a lot, a lot, not. No. Okay. Not All right. No tenants. Hey, well. have, we, have we got another curse on our hands here? Yeah. You do well. Yeah. Oh. It's called the curse of typecasting. <laughs> It'd be interesting to see what Jodie Whittaker does after. You know. Um, oh dear. Have we got any last emails? Because we've got uh, six minutes to go. I will check, and I will also check the um, the junk folder, which I often forget to do. 
Let's have a look. Oh, yeah, we have got one. Don't you hate it when you get the circle? Loz is on. He said, really, really enjoyed the show tonight. You made the world to me, guys. One day would love to meet you, Loz. Hey, you know where we are? We're in Manchester. It's not It's not a, It's not not a. a huge place. You come and have a drink. And Shell is saying, hi, Mike. Good to hear your smooth voice. Smooth voice. He's saying, I thought I sounded rough tonight. I hope you have a wonderful Christmas. I am going to have a wonderful Christmas because... I'm buggering off and I'm not going to be here in the UK. Very wise. Because yeah. I've got... Yeah, I've just had a rubbish three Christmases. And I'm sure some people listening can appreciate... When you were a kid, they're all magical, aren't they? They're all wonderful. Yeah. And then there's certain times in life where you, you, you don't think you can have a bad Christmas because why... How can you? It's hard work to have a bad Christmas when it's all pleasant, positive vibe and all that. But no, if you... You've got when you've got family, you've got people in your life, and things don't go the way you want, and other people are unhappy with you. You can end up having a bloody miserable Christmas. So you sometimes maybe better off just buggering off on your own. And where are you going? Going to New York. Beautiful. I think you're going to do a Home Alone too. Uh, it sounds like it. I've always wondered what it'd be like at Christmas. I've always wondered where. So it'll either be really, really, really depressing and lonely, and I'll be there because I'll miss you a lot. But I certainly won't miss the grief I've had for the past three years. Um, I certainly will not. And anybody else in the same boat as me, divorced person, at a certain age in life, you probably had the same sort of bloody Christmas. I'm sure. Oh crikey! Um, you know, uh, I'm just saying. You're bringing it. us down, man. I'm, right. Well, let's bring it back up. Let's bring it back up with one last piece of awesome news. Yeah. It is a struggle. Oh, this, crap. you know, I've, have you got one? I've got. I better do this before you give quickly. Some beat. Yeah. Okay. Just want to say, uh, obituary. Oh come on, man. She's important. Give me a minute. Just one minute. DC Fontana. She died at eighty. She, Dorothy Catherine Fontana. She was this amazing female writer. There were no writers in Hollywood. No writers certainly doing anything for TV. She was the first. She wrote This Side of Paradise and the classic Journey to Babel, which introduced Spock's parents and most of the Star Trek mythology. She was huge. She did Buck Rogers, Streets of San Francisco, Deep Space Nine. Uh, six million dollar man she wrote she was one of the, the biggest female writers she was the first she was the pioneer and it's just nice that she opened up a lot of doors for a lot of ladies who ended up working in the industry she's so well respected she carried on even working on video games star trek bridge crew and stuff doing little stories for that right till the very end what an amazing lady and you know she always sorely missed right uh, no yes me me too yeah okay good news now just some rapid fire good news yeah yes yes uh we're getting a star wars game show yeah i've heard jedi temple challenge hosted by armored best yeah how it's called it's called jedi temple challenge are you sure it's not called suicide watch uh then we've got the (laughs) no don't you've got to beep that out that's oh, awful. Right. That's another one, Pete. Yeah, that is another one, Mike. All oh, right. Okay. Um, the Star Wars Hotel, you know, the Galactic Cruiser. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's opening sooner than we thought. You can now, if you've got uh, two grand, go and have a two-night stay and go to space in uh, 2021. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that's good, isn't it? Yeah. Rise of the Resistance. Uh, the uh, uh, again. The theme park that none of us can get to. Yeah. Uh, Rise of the Resistance is now open in one of the parks uh, in California, I believe. Yeah. 
getting spectacular reviews. Mm. Uh, I was watching a uh, walkthrough mm. on YouTube until Shona told me not to earlier on, just before the show. It uh, looks phenomenal. Also staying with uh, uh, Star Wars. Baby Yoda toys, they're on the way. Apparently this this character what, that what, people what, are going where, mad for, from, then? I don't know. All right. I think it's something to do with Mandalorian, but we would not know. No, of course not. And we would definitely not know anything about the uh, the appearance of the uh, the chicken walker yeah. in episode four, apparently, and how awesome that was. Wouldn't no longer know, stop motion. Wouldn't know anything about that. No. No. Uh, Ghostbusters, the new Ghostbusters is not called Ghostbusters 2020, thank God. It is officially called Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yes. Yeah. I was happy with that title. Were you? Because it doesn't just refer to the afterlife, it refers to what happened after, their life after. You know what? I'd never even thought of that. Yeah, so absolutely got two bang on. To it. Yeah. I'm happy. I'm happy. You're mm. happy? Yeah. Let's end the well, show. Con- there we go. We did well, it. Considering. I didn't even know the other one was called Answer the Call until you told me. I know, bizarre, they, at least I'm ahead with this one. I know what it's going to be called anyway. We are back next week. We're still live next week. We're building up to our big Christmas special, which will be a week next Wednesday. In the meantime, I've been Mike, he's been Chris, and we will see you next week. of history to be found in the legends of time all the handiworks we Starburst Radio, the greatest radio show in the universe. Every Wednesday, 8 p.m. until 10 p.m. Exclusive to Fab Radio International. Starburst Radio is sponsored by Fab Cafe. TV and movie theme bar, 109 Portland Street, Manchester.